uh, uh, commonly known in the day that we live, and that is uh, the subject of the Tower of the Flock. And if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to uh, get a hold of that message. I think it's online. Um, to understand what the true uh, implications of Christmas are. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was born in a lowly birth, but it was not in a stable, like some people think, with a bunch of cows and donkeys around, but was born in the place where sacrificial lambs uh, that were worthy of the sacrifice for atoning for man's sins were to be born in the tower of the flock. Uh, and uh, what a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I, wish, I wish every person in the world could have a clear understanding of it because it means awful, an awful lot to us to understand uh, that Christ fulfilled every point of perfection and every point of the sacrifice that had to be made in order to atone for my sin and your sin. And the truth of the matter is all of us have sinned. The Bible tells us that. There's none that doeth good. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't think that there's very many of us in here that would debate that. Uh, somebody would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I've never lied, just messed up, because they, if they hadn't, they just did then. So, uh, But uh, anyway, um, we've all sinned. I don't, think we, I don't think there's a person alive that doesn't say, well, yeah, I've messed up in some areas. I've come short in some areas. I was listening to a fellow the other day, he was, he was sharing the gospel with a young lady. And the lady said, uh, what is required to get into heaven? And without batting an eye, the fellow that was talking to her about how to be saved, he said, perfection. Perfection. You have to be perfect to get into heaven. She said, well, are you perfect? He said, no, I'm not. She said, is anybody perfect? He said, no, no one's perfect. She said, well, are there people in heaven? He said, yes. She said, how do you explain that? He said, grace. Grace. In order for us to go to heaven, it requires perfection. Can I tell you today, none of us meet that standard. There was only one who did, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know the wonderful thing is that he gives us his righteousness when we put our faith in Him. We don't earn our way to heaven. If you're sitting here today saying, I hope I do good enough to make it, you're not. You're not going to. Because it's not about your good outweighing your bad. It's about having no bad. And when we know and understand the fact that we are not perfect, but He is, and that by His grace, unmerited favor, we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, he gives us His perfection. Then we're allowed to go to heaven. And for no other reason. And that's why at Christmas time we can say, and at Easter time and any other time of the year, we can say all of the glory belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I have nothing to boast of. If we're going to make it to heaven, it is not going to be because we did it. It's going to be because of what Christ has done for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. Oh, there's great joy. In fact, as we read in verse number 1 of Luke, the Bible says, 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. <clears throat> and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That kind of rules out Calvinism, I think, easily there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard as it was told unto them. Father, we come to you this morning once again. We ask for the next few moments that you will help us to uh, clear our hearts and our minds of any distractions. Lord, there's a lot of things that can distract our hearts today. Family gatherings, presents, meals. Lord, so many things that vie for our attention for the next few moments. Lord, I ask that you would help us to put our hearts and our thoughts completely upon you, upon this message and upon your word. Guide and direct us, we pray. May your Holy Spirit have His free reign to do as He sees fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When God created us, He gave us what we refer to as a free will. By the way, I'm, I'm glad for that, aren't you? I'm glad that God gives us a choice. We weren't forced to do anything. From the very beginning, even before man fell, God gave man a free will and a choice to make. He put them in the Garden of Eden. And He said, you can have any of the fruit of the trees that grow in the garden except for one. He said, I want that one to stay untouched. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to eat of that tree. And He said, you've got a choice. And man had to make a choice at that point, didn't he? I'm thankful for the free will that God gives to us. He, he longs for us. His desire is for us to choose Him. But man doesn't always do that. Our old sinful nature has a will of its own. And I'll be real frank with you, that will is pretty strong. It, it, it tends to get the best of us. We, 
Uh, I was talking to my kids the other day, and uh, they, they're teenagers. And you ask them about going to do something, they say, well, I just don't have time. I'm like, you're a teenager. You have more time now than you'll ever have in your life, and you don't have time. And uh, I asked them about going to do something. They said, well, I just don't have time. I said, you know, the truth is, and this is true of all of us, we always find the time to do the things we want to do. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I don't have the money. I've found that over the years we generally find the way to accomplish the things we want to do, even if we don't have the money to do it. Because we have a strong will. We want to do certain things. And God doesn't force us. In fact, I, I have had to deal with several folks in the last probably year, year and a half that come to me and they're praying and they're broken hearted. Uh, they're praying for someone. Oh, I just wish this person would change. And Pastor, will you pray with me about them? And I, a number of folks, uh, probably four or five, maybe six folks this year that have all come and said, Pastor, I'm really burdened for someone. Would you pray with me? And I'm glad to pray with them. I am. I'm glad to pray for God to work in the situation. But the truth is, God's not going to go against His character of forcing someone. And I, I, I know people that get upset and they say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, did we pray rightly? <laughs> Are we asking God to go against His own character? He gave us a free will. And we expect Him to force His will on someone else. That's, that's not a right way to do it. So when we pray for someone like that, we should pray, Lord, keep working on their heart. Bring them to a place of decision and then help them to make the right decision. But up, at the end of the day, that decision is theirs. You say, Pastor, why are you sharing all that? Because the same holds true for you and I. At the end of the day, you and I have a choice to make. What are we going to do with the Lord Jesus Christ? It's amazing to me, as I've read the Christmas story now a number of years, how many people responded to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each of them responded differently. And I want us to take a look very quickly at several of them, and then I want to bring a couple things to light, and then ask a couple questions of us. But let's look at a couple of these folks in, in Scripture, at how they responded. Look with me, if you will, in Luke 2, <clears throat> and I'm going to go down to verse number 13. Now there's some things we could look at even prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, of how people responded to even the news that Christ was coming. And, and there's time enough you can study those if you like. And, and I'm not going to share all of the responses, but I'm going to share several of them, all right? Let's look in verse number 13. The Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And I made this statement last week. It's amazing, an amazing thought to me. I didn't think about this till a few years ago. I was reading through the story, getting some things ready again for Christmas. And a thought struck my heart, and I just sat there, and I thought, boy, what an amazing thing. The, 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 the angel that came and, and spoke to the shepherds was excited to proclaim. He said, uh, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I don't think he came out like some of these royal proclaimers do, and beat the big stick on the floor and in a deadpan face say it. I, I think this angel was excited about the news. You say, why do you think that, Brother Greg? Because of what took place as soon as he finished. 
The Bible says, and suddenly, and there was a suddenness to this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Now when the Bible uses the word multitude, oftentimes it's referring to the fact that it's an innumerable amount. It's a large number. It's a number that is, is a vast number. And he says, a multitude of the heavenly hosts uh, appeared with this angel. And look at verse 13. And what were they doing? They were what? They were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. A few moments ago, I was sharing with you that the, the salvation that Christ brings, all of that belongs to His glory, not ours. We didn't earn our salvation. He gave it to us freely. He gave it to us because of His grace. Because He loved us so much, He gives us this. And, and, and this, this wonderful grace that God has given to us, these angels are excited about it and they say, uh, uh, they're, they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the thought struck me a couple years ago. These angels are rejoicing. I, I don't know how angels rejoice, but I'd love to see it. I think they can rejoice sometimes better than you and I can. But I thought of this thought. Here are these angels that uh, the Bible says suddenly they came and they were with this other angel. I, I think that they were waiting with bated breath right on the edge of their seats on a hair trigger, waiting for that angel to make that announcement because they could not wait to bring glory to God for what he was doing. And this is the thought. It did not, it did not benefit the angels at all. There was no benefit to Christ coming to this earth for the angels. But they responded with joy to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this thought struck me. How can a group of beings who do not benefit from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ rejoice so much and we, who gain everything by His birth, rejoice so little. Christmas morning is just about family and presents and lights and trimmings and trees and meals. Where's the joy in Christmas for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to redeem my soul and your soul? That we would stand up on a street corner or on a rooftop or in our front yards and say, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And to have the joy of the angels. When the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ took place, the response of the angels was great joy and great gladness and bringing praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second response that we find in Scripture is in verse number 16. These shepherds that were abiding in the field and they see these angels. I don't know how long these angels were there in verse number 14. I do know that verse number 15 says, and it came to pass. And normally when that phrase is used in Scripture, it indicates a passage of time. I don't know how long it took for those angels to rejoice and for the shepherds to decide, but I'll say this, I think there was some great rejoicing going on. 
And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And notice what it says here. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. There were three responses right away that the shepherds had. The first response was, I want to go find him. Where's he at? The angels told me about him. Let's go get him. Let's go, let's go see this thing, which the angels just told us about. I find that the first response of the shepherds was to seek him. The second response of the shepherds was that they found him. They did not quit until they found him. And I personally believe that they knew exactly where to look. I think they knew immediately when the, when the angel said, This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That they would use the swaddling clothes as a sign for the shepherds so they would know. I mean, don't all women wrap their babies up when they get born? How would that be a sign? Because they knew that the swaddling clothes were used in a particular place. These shepherds went. They found this babe. They sought him. They found him. And then I want you to notice this. When they had found him, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. This was their response. We want to go see him. We want to find him if he can be found. And then when they found him, they said, now we want to go tell everybody we can. By the way, that ought to be the heartbeat of every Christian. That ought to be the heartbeat of every man. I need to seek the Lord, and when I find Him, I want to make sure I tell everybody about Him. I think it's a wonderful thing. Notice that there's another group of people here that we don't focus on very much. Verse number 17, And when they seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning His child. Verse number 18, And all they that heard it, I'm going to talk about the group, all they that heard it for a minute. Because they responded about the news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ too, didn't they? Notice how they responded. The Bible says that they, they wondered. They wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. There was a wonderment about it. They, was, they were caused to stop and think and ponder. To wonder about wonder if this is the Messiah that we've long awaited. By the way, it'd be good if our world today would ponder once again the Lord Jesus Christ. To bring them to a place of looking for the Scriptures, looking for the truth. And then there's another person that responded here. In verse number 25, we're, I'll talk about Mary later on. She kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I think that deals with a lot of uh, our thinking and that there's times we need to ponder what Christ has done for us. I think it does us good. But we'll talk about that a little more later. But I want us to look at verse number 25 because there's another fellow that uh, heard of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. This fellow's name was Simeon. And uh, verse number 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, 
Now lettest thou thy, ser let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen the salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Here Simeon who is a man who has been waiting on God. He's been waiting for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was promised to him, it was told to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And he was waiting patiently. By the way, it'd do us well sometimes to wait on the Lord, wouldn't it? To just trust Him at His word and realize that He said it, I'll wait for Him to do it. But he waits on this to happen, this promise that had been given to him. He's a man who is a man of faith and a man of obedience. We find that by the fact that he was told by the Holy Spirit this thing, and he believed Him. So he was a man of faith. And we also find, the Bible says, that he came in verse number 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice his response comes in verse number 28. Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace. He gave God praise for it. He thanked him for it. He blessed him for it. Simeon's a tremendous fellow in, in Scripture. There's not a lot said about him. But he's the one who understood and was able to share with Mary the fact that Jesus was going to be crucified. He shares that with her a few verses down, or that she's going to have to be killed and that he'll be raised up again. And then we find another person in Scripture, verse number 36. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There were two things that Anna did. She gave thanks to the Lord, and she told everybody she could find out about Him. She gave thanks to Him and told everybody she could find out about Him. So far, uh, we're finding out that pretty much everybody that hears about the Lord Jesus Christ is pretty excited about it. They began to realize that the long-promised Redeemer of man is now on the scene. It's just going to be a short while now until redemption's plan is fulfilled through Calvary. And those that are are party to this, and those that are understanding this, and those that are hearing of this are excited about it. They're praising God. They're, they're joyful. They're gleeful about it. Now look with me in the book of Matthew, chapter number 2. <coughs> Matthew, chapter number 2. The wise men are uh, trying to find, uh, and we spent some time in Sunday school, we're not going to reteach that lesson this morning, but they're trying to find the Christ, and uh, they go first to Jerusalem, and then Herod tells them, go and find the child, and when you find him, bring me word again. And uh, verse number 10 of chapter 2, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down, and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men rejoiced, the Bible says in verse number 10, with exceeding great joy. You ever had that kind of joy? 
You ever had exceeding great joy? I've had joy, and I've had great joy. I think there have been a time or two in my life I've had exceeding great joy, where you feel like your, your skin can't hardly contain the joy you got. You ever felt that way? There's a few times I've felt that way. I felt that way uh, when I got saved. There was something that just, I mean, I was, I was just bouncing off the walls excited because for months I was under conviction and scared to death that I was going to die and end up going to hell because I didn't know Christ as my Savior. And when that matter got settled in my life, I will tell you what, it brought such a joy to my heart and such a lightness to my step. I just, the burden was rolled away. And there was a joy there that I would have to say was more than just a great joy. It was an exceeding great joy. I remember I didn't want kids uh, really early on in marriage. And uh, about two years into our marriage, I still didn't know if I wanted kids. I was so busy working and laboring. I thought, man, we're not going to have time for kids. And my wife came and she threw the, the uh, uh, pregnancy test on the counter and it showed that we were pregnant. And I about fainted and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? And... Uh, and I mean, for nine months, I put on a smile and made my wife think that I was happy about this thing. And then uh, the day came, and we were in the hospital, and that little baby comes out. And I cut the umbilical cord, and I hold her in my arms. I'll tell you, there was great joy that day that I would have to say was exceeding great joy. When these wise men saw the star... The star they looked at and said, that's His star. That's the star of the Messiah. That's the star of the Redeemer of man. They rejoiced, the Bible says, with exceeding great joy. They understood what it meant. They understood that this was the answer for sinful man. And they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. There's one more I want to look at. Let's look in verse number, uh, verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 2. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child, notice this, to destroy him. Verse number 16 then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Not everybody was happy with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, the devil was certainly not happy. Those that he had control over, certainly were not happy. Those that did not care about the redemption of man certainly, certainly were not happy. In the day that you and I live, I found that roughly there are four different responses that we see today. When we talk to people about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that there's a group of people who respond with ignorance. They've just never heard before. I was, I was amazed when I sat there with my friend Brian a number of years ago on his living room couch. I was amazed in 40-some years of life in the United States of America. Here was a man 
who had never heard why the Lord Jesus Christ had come. It wasn't that he had heard and rejected, it was that he just didn't know. I would expect that in, in countries where there's not a strong gospel message or where they don't have a Bible in their language or they don't have missionaries to preach the gospel. But here in the United States of America, that there would be people who still are ignorant and do not know of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and why He came. But that's one response. There's a second response that I see in the world today, and that is one of apathy. They know that the Lord Jesus Christ came. They know that He lived a perfect and a sinless life. They know that He, they know that he died on the cross and that He rose again the third day. They just don't care. And more and more we're seeing that attitude become rampant in our country. There's a third response that people have today. And that is, they hear the gospel message, they understand the importance of it, and they flat out reject it. They become very defiant, even. I've heard, and I cringe when I hear it, when I share the gospel with someone, or try to tell them about uh, going to heaven when they die. 